What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hell Digging Test. We've got Chris right here on the mic. We got Matt across from me. This week, we already figured it out. We're going to be talking NBA, NFL, and actually, we're going to talk about some MLB stuff later at the end. We found some interesting story going on with with a scandal that the MLB's got hidden under the table. But let's dive in right now to the NBA. We got Kyrie Irving's return off rip right now. So he came back after just completely disappearing from everybody. The media is overblowing everything, wondering what's going on. Is he a cancer? Everyone just wants to hop in and give their opinion. So he comes back and says that he had some family issues, some personal things he had to tend to, and he already spoke to the whole team. And he wanted to really stress the importance of the fact that he is human, that he sometimes needs to take a step away from the team. And yeah, like I personally, I don't think that it's really that big a deal, but the NBA and the media itself wants to talk about it. How do you feel? Do you think Kyrie will be able to mesh with this new team very well or what what's the deal with this yeah i mean if we're going back to like the the media kind of overblowing this whole situation i mean in one aspect they kind of were because you have to respect like i said before like in the last episode like you have to you have to respect a man's space you know like if he if he if he's got some things that he's got to deal with off the field or off the court just like just let the guy do it but at a certain point if it comes to the extent of your teammates or the organization, like I think he did the right thing coming back and just kind of talking to everybody and just be like, hey, I'm I'm human. Like, I just got to take a step back sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, But if we're talking about meshing with KD and Harden, I don't think that he's going to have much of a problem with it. He's played with a big star before. He played with the biggest star in LeBron. Yeah. So... Like I don't think him, I don't think he's gonna have a problem meshing with meshing with KD and Harden. I don't know. What do you think? Look, man. You know, before I even get into Kyrie and how he fits with this team, one thing I, I really want people to think about is this: to start, as soon as we all heard about this Harden trade, everybody just automatically starts going straight for they don't play defense, they don't play defense, they don't play defense. Now I understand that Kyrie and Harden, and let's just even say DeAndre Jordan to a certain extent now that he's a little bit older. They don't have the biggest reputation when it comes to the defensive end, but we understand that this is going to be a team like you saw with the Bucks matchup. This is going to be a team that's going to be involved in a lot of offensive firepower matchups. Now, what people don't realize is the fact that Kyrie, Harden, KD have all played with each other on Team USA. Jeff Green, KD, and Harden all have experience playing with each other in OKC. These guys play styles... Jeff Green played in OKC with them? Yes, he did. I did not know that. So, actually, interesting fact. KD... And Jeff Green are the only two players in the NBA who have suited up for the Seattle Supersonics. Little, It doesn't matter right now, but look, these guys have chemistry already going into this. Now, with Kyrie meshing with Harden and KD, like everybody in the media is saying, I'm not going to be that guy that's like, ooh, the Alfred joke or whatever, but... It is understood that Kyrie Irving will pretty much have to be the third option. Yeah. But I do think, though, that it's going to be interesting to see how James Harden is going to distribute that ball. Is he going to be depending on Kyrie? Is he going to get him involved? Is Kyrie going to get dejected? Is he going to step out of the scene pretty much for the most part when he's playing on offense and he may not be getting the ball, whether it be in the flow of the offense or even late in the game? Is he going to get bothered by that? I do not know. But if there's one thing I know about Kyrie and just the way that he's been talking, he's someone that it seems like he's been really open to just having a new collaborative approach to the way that he that he plays basketball. And I think the Nets, you know, everybody over blue when Kyrie was saying, we don't need a coach or whatever. Everyone thought automatically that that was disrespect against Steve. I, I just think like a lot of the stuff that he says, like a lot of people take it away that he doesn't mean to interpret. Right. And yeah. that could be, that could be his fault. That could be people's fault for just kind of just trying to clip, like just trying to clip shit and just trying to make him seem like the bad guy. But I don't think Kyrie's I don't think Kyrie in any way, shape, or form is a bad person. You know, like he does like I was I was seeing the other day that he does so much for like the community, like and the and the people around him. Like he's a very family oriented person. And like at the end of the day, we all put that first. 
right? Yeah. Over everything, I can, I, me and I'm sure you can agree that we put family first over everything. You have to, bro. Right? So I can't fault this. I can't fault the guy for putting his family first over everybody. But from a basketball perspective, I think Kyrie's a damn third good option to fucking have, right? Like, 100%, bro. I'd rather have him over Chris Bosh and disrespect Chris Bosh. But, yeah, like, hello? Like, like, having Kyrie as a third option is pretty damn good. If he can just, like, if he can kind of take a step back and realize, hey, like, these guys are probably the two most elite scorers in this league because they are the two best scorers in the league. Arguably two top 10 scorers of all time. Right. So if he can see that from that perspective and be like, hey, like, I'm a third option here, right? But I don't really think the Nets are going to look at it like that. It's like, no. It's like, what's your best available shot? Take it. Yeah, and also you have to understand that these are three incredible players, but also three incredible egos. So they're going to have to manage it. But I think that Steve Nash, just he's already used to already having had to, like in some way, shape, or form, manage three personalities like yeah. that in Steph, Clay, I mean, and Katie. And, I, and no, I, I know they're different, but... I mean, he played with Amari Stoudemire too. Yeah, so and, like, and Amari's on the bench. Oh, Amari's on the bench as an assistant coach. Yeah, Mike yeah, D'Antoni, yeah. there. Everything's set up. But I do have to raise a question. I'm not expecting an answer that's a yes, but it's something that I have read online. If Kyrie doesn't mix well with Katie and Harden, would you consider trading him to beef up the rest of the roster, or do you think untouchable? But like, but like, when are we trading him now? Or like, no, obviously you got to give it a little bit of time. So let's it's, okay. So the way that Katie, like, what I'm asking is like, before the end of the season or after the end of the season. During the season. Nah, you don't trade him this. Okay. If, if he doesn't work, right, I think you have to give this, I think you have to let this run its course at least this year. If it doesn't work and you want to beef up the rest of your roster and trade Kyrie for, not even for like another star, just get a bunch of role players. Yeah. You know, like get a bunch of guys that are real solid players that'll help you, that'll help you out with, with Katie and Harden. But I think you should let, I think they should let this ride for at least this year. And if yeah. it doesn't work, then fuck it, you know, then, you, then blow you, it up. You at least tried. So for me now... When I'm looking at this stuff, I personally wouldn't trade Kyrie. I I think that would probably be the biggest mistake. But, you know, I think it'll be fun to see exactly what happens with this team. The offensive basketball is going to be incredible. Defensively, we know it's going to suffer a bit. But just before I close on this Kyrie topic, I think it's really important for anybody, whether it be the media or whether it be just us that are casuals that don't even know Kyrie. And I even think the media, to a certain extent, are a bunch of casuals because... They don't know these people. They're they not. Are. They're, they're a bunch of casuals. Yeah, they're not directly inside of this business. So we need to understand that we are human. He is human, and everybody's gonna have issues of their own. You know, for better or for worse. That sometimes you need to take a step away. Sometimes you're at work and you wish you could take a step back. And he's just lucky enough that he's able to take a step back and not suffer from it. But right. at the end of the day, bro, I wish you best the best, Kyrie. Brooklyn Nets gonna be insane, but now let's talk about some contenders versus the Nets and the East. So we're gonna break it down right here. How do you feel about the Philadelphia 76ers as they currently stand right now? They got Doc Rivers in there. We've already mm-hmm. seen a sample size of Embiid, Ben Simmons trying to put up some shots, and the fact that they were able to get rid of Josh Richardson also opens up the offense a little bit more for Tobias Harris. Right. How do you feel about all this? So I mean, we're seeing Joel Embiid play the best basketball of his career, right? A hundred percent. Like he's he's playing he's playing arguably at an MVP level. He's averaging he's averaging somewhere from like twenty five points a game with like twelve boards, some something along those lines. But yeah. I think like we and Tobias we've seen Tobias Harris kind of break out of his shell and be able to produce in this offense really well too. But to me, it's just my question is: Have we seen Ben Simmons improve to where he's just gonna improve? I think that he's just not going to shoot threes and then that's just kind of the but, end of it but do you think though and also just you were right 25 points per game 11 and a half boards a game on 
53.6% shooting on 39% from the three-point line. So we look at Ben Simmons right now, and I think the argument that Ben Simmons needs to be a guy that shoots threes, I think it's something that's very... It's a superficial argument because I think those same people don't understand that not every player in history has been able been able to or had to shoot three. So, for example, Magic Johnson. That's pretty much the perfect example. Everyone lines them up against one another. Right. Magic Johnson didn't start shooting threes to a, a pretty much respectable amount until the end of his career. But I think Ben Simmons, if he really is going to take that next step, everyone should stop focusing on the three-point line. Isn't it crazy how Ben Simmons also doesn't shoot a mid-range jumper? If you can yeah. at least get Ben Simmons to space the floor out from the mid-range, that would open up so much more. Get him of a course. consistent, get him a fadeaway, get him a fadeaway shot, get him a little step up, get him a little post fade, whatever right. the hell and it the, is. And the problem is, is when he's when he's a guy that needs to score near the basket, it closes things up for Embiid. It clogs things yeah. right and it and it forces and beat a lot of the times to become a jump shooter and that's exactly and which is what the which is, is which is what the exactly the problem is and it's been the problem since the beginning with these two right Joel Embiid yes he can shoot the three ball pretty well obviously better than Ben Simmons yeah right but Embiid is gonna be most effective in the post he's the best post player we have in the league right and if Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons continue, continues to not be able to even shoot a mid-range, and not even talking about a three, not even shoot a mid-range. Yo, he, do you see how badly he airballed a three a few days ago? Dog? Yeah, it's really like, bad. It's really yo, bad. I think my dog could have put up a better three-point like, shot right there. And it, it just comes down to, like, bro, are you going to get in the gym and go shoot some threes so you can get better? Yeah, like, we understand Ben Simmons that he's a facilitator. We understand he's someone that's a great passer, got a great basketball IQ, all of these things. But for this team to get to the next level, he, I think he he's needs to he needs to develop a jumper, a jump shot, right. and it's just midi. That's yeah. it. And it's funny that you that you brought up the the Magic Johnson thing. Magic Johnson could shoot from the mid, right? Yes. But scratching that from completely, that was the '80s where people didn't shoot threes. Yeah. Right. The three point shot just came into effect. Right. The everybody in the league shoots threes now. That's how everybody plays the game. They shoot to get through. They penetrate the they penetrate the paint mm-hmm. to get open threes. That's what this league has come to. And if Ben Simmons cannot adapt to that, be able to shoot off the dribble from the midi, be able to shoot off the catch from a midi or a three, then it's just going to continue to be a problem with the Sixers. And them contending with the Nets, the only way I can see them contending is defensively. But at the end of the day, the the Nets are still going to score 120 points on you every night. So it's that, like, can you come and score 120 points as well? And I don't really see them being able to do that. I think the Sixers, for the most part, their style of basketball is going to be one where they're going to try to get the other team to play to their level and their style. Yeah. But it's going to be tough when you got a team that's running up and down the floor. That's exactly what happened with Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash. They came in, absolutely shocked the league because it's seven seconds less going, going, going. They're running that style right now also with some great iso ball. And I really like the Nets. Uh, Sorry to keep going back to them, but like I was watching uh, a couple of their games and they have no practice, but there's an interesting play they run where they'll have like DeAndre Jordan step up to the top of the key and then you have Kevin Durant and James Harden both switch places, go to the other side of the wing and you can even have them transition into a, a pick and pop themselves. Right. So that's something that I think the Sixers lack. They lack that third player that can really at least make the, make it a little bit more interesting. Tobias Harris is nice, but I don't think he's it for it. So now let's move on to the next squad, the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat right now, everybody's been saying, yeah, like they suck, they're this, they're that, they're not that good. They're currently 12th in the East, and everyone's doubting them. Now, I'm not saying that the Heat are going to be NBA championship contenders like they were last year, which, look, I'll be quite honest with you right now. If you had a regular season and regular in quotations as far as having fans, the way everything was going, they wouldn't have made the finals last year. Can we agree on that? 
Uh, I, I don't think they would have. I, I mean, every I think that it's. I think that it's like a little bit less of a chance, but I think that they still would. have. Yeah, they would have a chance. They would have been. I, in the Eastern, I, they would have been still been in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, how do you feel about the Heat right now, considering that Jimmy Butler is out, and also the, the team they, they've been playing with like seven players every day, like seven few, or eight players. Just a few games ago, they were playing with Max Struess, Gabe Benson. They're playing with Tyler Hero yeah, and Duncan. I don't Robinson really think the whole game. Like, yeah, come on, I don't really it's think tough to judge them. I don't really think you can judge them based off of like the sample size that we have right now because they're literally playing with eight guys. Jimmy's played like three games. Bam has been out a couple of games, but like the main thing that I that I've taken away with it is that bigs in the NBA just can't be a focal point unless you're. Joel Embiid, right? Or, or Nikola Jokic. Right, but Nikola Jokic is a distributor, so it's like it's, it's easier for him to make an impact, right? Yeah. But I've wanted to see Bam like kind of take the next step this year, and yeah, he's doing like he's doing like a decent job. But I've but I I don't I don't know like I feel like I want more out of him, but I don't know if there is more. I just feel like he is what he is. He's a good distributor. He's a decent mid range shooter. Well, and he's, gotten, he's he's gotten pretty nice with it. Yeah, yeah and like setbacks. and and inside and inside the paint, defensively and offensively, he's top three in the league. You know, but yeah, he he's he's one of those players that I think first and foremost he is going to be a defensive stud. He's going to be a presence yeah. in the paint. As you can see, he blocked Jeremy Grant at the end of the last game to just really seal that win. But the thing with Bam is, like you said, we can't really depend on him to be the guy that runs our offense or anything of that sort. He's going to need somebody like a Jimmy Butler who can at least create some offense. But right now, all we're depending on is. Hoping Kendrick Nunn, who also has had the craziest fall off from one year to the next. Yeah. Even in the middle of his first season, he had an, an insane fall off. But problem is, we don't have somebody who can really detract attention. Yeah. From there's Jimmy nobody. Butler there's nobody. Goran there's nobody that can go out there besides Goran and Jimmy that can just go get a bucket. Hey, well, Tyler Hero. But, but, but sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. But, but Tyler Hero right now, like, I think Heat fans are being a little bit too unrealistic as far as their expectations of him, like. Last season, you have to remember, last season was his first season, and yes, he had a hell of a first season, but he's still learning the ropes. Yeah, I, saw, <laughs> I saw something on Twitter the other day. It, go, it was like, do you consider Tyler Hero a top 10 point guard? And I was like, what? What? First of, all, he's not a, first of all, he's not a point guard. Like, he's a shoot, he's a two, and we know he's a two. Yeah, right? he'll play the one if he has to, but right. it's a primary. And second of all, he's not top 15. He's not top 20. Like, he's not for top 15, top 20. Like... Uh, I mean, I put him over Dennis Schroeder, in my opinion. Over Dennis Schroeder? Hell yeah. Dude, I, look, I don't, I don't think much of Dennis Schroeder, bro. Like, he's a nice guy, whatever, on the court, but I would take Tyler Hero over Dennis Schroeder, yeah. in my opinion. Okay, but obviously the Heat need to beef up this roster. What do you think they could do? Do you think they need to get a trade? I think that you get a trade going. I mean, I think I think that Pat Riley is just really looking forward to, like, this next offseason, right? This next, like, free agent run. But, like, I think a nice player to go after would be John Collins. Well, yeah, John Collins, like you know, we've been reading a lot about this stuff. He and Trey Young actually have been having some problems. They've been they they've had some disputes in the locker room, and, yeah. and there's been some issues as far as just the way that he and Trey can mix together. And obviously, let's be real, Trey Young is going to be the man, and he's going to get his say. Now, there were rumors that he could get traded, but let, let's just think about it. Right now, John Collins is averaging 15.6 points a game, 7.2 boards. 1.6 assists and 1.1 blocks per game. If we look at the Miami Heat right now, I think they have a pretty solid lineup. Like let's let's just say that they're gonna run it the way they do right now, where they have Dragic at the one. They could put Hero. No, actually no. Forget Dragic. Put him on the bench. You put Hero at the Hero, one. Hero, Duncan, Jimmy. Duncan, Jimmy. And then we have a hole. We can't have Olenek. We can't depend on pressure right. right now. We, we need, need a band. four. We need we a need four. four. John Collins would be really solid. Yeah. That's someone I think. And also the Miami Heat, they could go after free agents, but the free agency class is weak. I think by late. February, early March, where the trade deadline is, I think, March 25th. Mm -hmm. 
let's say early March, that's when you really start to figure out how exactly this team is performing and what we need. So a four could be interesting. Then the one that everybody's been talking about, Bradley Beal, that's another way you can really try to stretch the floor and be able to get things going with another Yeah, but you have, to, you have to give away more for Brad Beal. You're going to have to get rid yeah. of Tyler Hero. You get rid of Tyler. You, you, you get rid of the farm, dog. But look, yeah. Bradley Beal right now is averaging 34.9 points a game, 5.3 rebounds per game, and five assists per He's game. He's basically their team. Yeah, and the problem with Bradley Beal is he's in that same dilemma where uh, Giannis, Damian Lillard, these guys are in right now, and even Russ to a certain extent before you know he even left OKC. These guys they were loyal, and it's a great story. But at a certain point, you need to realize like I need to get out of here, man. Yeah. Now it's just the Wizards are gonna get a little crazy and funky when it comes to what they expect, because obviously they're gonna want to rebuild. So I think Brad Beal would be a nice signing, but do you think it's realistic? I think that it's. I think that it's realistic if we want to get rid of if we if we're willing and able to get get rid of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I would. For Bradley Beal, yeah, I would too. Because they like, combined, they're going to be the same. Like they're going to equate to what he and is. And we're trying to win now, right? Yeah. Because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, what? Two, two more years, max. No, nah, I don't know. Max. Four, four max. No, two, no, no, no. I'm saying two years. Like we'll have Jimmy for that time, but two years of Jimmy Butler really, really, really right. making that difference. Yeah. Bro. So you're gonna need you're gonna need to win now. So it's like go get Brad Beal and try to go win a chip, right? So I mean, another guy we were looking at too, but is Blake Griffin. But Blake Griffin is having the worst season he, of his he's career. He's a very complicated case, averaging twelve point nine points a game, five point nine boards, and four point three assists. He's falling off a bit. Yeah, but he's shooting like thirty percent from the field. Yeah, he's like it's it's buns. really bad. You know, and and Blake Griffin. You know, you, you think about Blake Griffin when he started out. There was all this hype. Lob City came in Rookie of the Year off that knee injury, this that and the other. Blake Griffin, however, despite all of that, and people thought he was just a hype flyer, he did prove himself toward the end in Los Angeles and to a certain extent when he started out in Detroit as being someone that not only... See, I think Blake Griffin at his prime is what Bam's actualized potential could and should be. Yeah. And I think Bam, he could be even better because Bam is more athletic. Bam isn't as stiff. More athletic than Blake Griffin? No, I'm not saying athletic. Okay, jumping-wise. Okay, Blake but like, but like moving, I'm, okay, I'm, I get I'm what talking you're lateral movement, I get what you're going around, switching positions and shit like that. And also, he's a better defender. I think it will be interesting to see what exactly could happen because Eric Spolstra, he can do anything. Like, I legitimately believe it's a crime that Eric Spolstra has not gotten a Coach of the Year award. Yeah. And it'd just be fun to see what Blake Griffin could do. Could, could they bring him back? I don't know. Could he stay healthy? I'm not sure. But he could be someone that could help shore up that problem at the four. True. Very true. Next Very true. up, we got Kevin Love. This is going to be the last player we're going to talk about. Now, Kevin Love is an interesting case because this season, he's going to pay 31 mil a year, 31 mil, and then his final season of his contract two seasons from now will be 28 million a year. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Love, we haven't really heard anything about him. The Cavs went out and traded for Jared Allen. They got Larry Nance Jr. in there, JaVale McGee, and Andre Drummond. The front court on that team is absolutely clogged. Now, yeah. Kevin Love has played only two games this year where he's averaged nine and a half points a game, six rebounds. I don't really count that because, I mean, hello, like, he's only played two games, started out, no training camp, nothing of that sort. But he'd be an interesting player. However, I feel like Kevin Love would really just kind of clog up our hopes and, like, what exactly we want to do as far as going out and getting stuff with the cap space. But if we're going to talk win right now, I think if you can get Kevin Love healthy and get him back to even you know, what he was in Cleveland as a third option, mm-hmm. that's an amazing third so, option to have. So out of the four that we just listed, which one would you want? I would have to say John Collins just because of I would, his... I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, just because of his youth and the fact and that... And the contract. Think, yeah, he's a young contract. Like yeah, young, he's, I want to say young as in like he's got the contract he's of making, a young player. 
He's right right now. He's on a four year eleven eleven million dollar deal. So like he's a lot cheaper than these guys. Like way way cheaper. Cause Brad Brad Beal, Blake Griffin, and Kevin Love are all on Mac. They're pretty Max much Max Blake. deals. Yeah. So when you're when you're considering, you get John Collins, and then even if this free agent class is weak, you go out there, you sign a couple of guys. We gotta have a pretty fucking good team for next year. You know, I think we definitely this season is going to be the one, whether it be through a trade or whether it be through free agency, this is going to be the pivotal one that really determines where this team goes moving forward. Now, let's move on to our second to last team in the East as a contender. We've already talked about them a bunch in the past, but we got the Boston Celtics right now. The Boston Celtics, we understand that they've got a lot of talent. They've got Jalen Brown. They've got Kemba Walker, who actually hasn't really played this much due to injury. I said Jalen Brown already. I think I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Yeah. Those are all four guys that, to a certain extent, we believe that they're going to be impact players. But I think they're still in the same dilemma where there are way too many mouths to feed. Right. And I, I think that's pretty much what makes them stagnant. I really don't see them as a team that could be, yeah. let's my, see, a my problem thing, like that. My thing about the Celtics is, I say this like every episode, why have they not gone after Andre Drummond? I mean, yeah, because they have Tristan Thompson down there, Daniel Tice, who are absolute trash They're cans. trash cans. They're bad. Tristan Thompson can... Tristan, Dom, Tristan Thompson has, like, three hands. Like, he can't... He cannot make a basket like if his life depended on if his life depended on it, the guy couldn't make a basket. Yeah. He has no type of jumper from anywhere, from anywhere on the floor. The only way he gets a bucket is if he gets an offensive rebound and it's a dunk. That's it. Yeah. That's the only way he gets a bucket. And Tice, you're kind of nice sometimes, but like... Look, l- let's keep it honest. The only thing Tristan Thompson is good at is cheating on his wife, and even then he ain't even that good at it because he can't <laughs> even fucking hide that. I'm not so, advocating for so, it, but that's uh, all he does. So, like, Andre Drummond just had an insane game. He had like... 33 th- and 20 or 22 boards. Right. He's going... He's having the same games that he had when he was back on the Pistons in his prime. You need go, to go after, after Andre Drummond. You need a big. But you know they're going to try to get Jalen Brown. Yeah, but they're, but the Cavs aren't giving... The, the Cavs aren't going to get Jalen Brown for Andre Drummond. That's not the same level of player because Jalen Brown has way more potential than Andre Drummond has ever had right yeah. I think I think Jalen Brown could arguably be just as good as Jason Tatum so yeah he's on he's on that path yeah he's also a 10 times better defender than Jason Tatum is so so you can you can't you can't let, I think you trade Kemba I think that would be valid yeah I mean it's just, that would then not, you, you have to think like who's gonna be our point guard I mean they could move smart in there they lost Brad Wanamaker who I think, I think was a solid guy I think Marcus Smart could be a good starting point guard he plays great the thing is okay he's a Pat Bev but he's better than Pat Bev well I mean yeah like, he's that, way that, better than Beverly okay think was. about this right you have Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Andre Drummond all in your starting lineup. With Andre, Jason Tatum. Andre, yeah, with, but I'm just talking about like from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Andre Drummond, who's one of the best shot, who in his prime was one of the best shot blockers in the league, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Brown, one of the best wing, wing Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, two of the best wing defenders on the team, on, in the league, not on the team. So like, I don't, I don't understand why you don't go after a big. And maybe get rid of Kemba Walker because that because that's another mouth to feed who's he's he's been he's been really injury prone the last two years and it's like do we want to keep dealing with this I know a lot of Boston fans really love Kemba but, but I, I think bro everybody talks about Kyrie versus Kemba in terms of what they bring to the table and we understand that Kemba Walker basically is like a, a non factor when it comes to like just being a bad influence he's not a bad influence on the locker room everyone's right. saying Kyrie was that but. I think their play styles are the exact same. Like, when when everybody was praising Danny Ainge for bringing in Kemba Walker, I'm here like, they're he's, the same guy. He's broke man's Kyrie. Straight up. Like, that's exactly what he is. So, you, you really have to switch it up. But everyone's argument will be, 
They're eight and four right now. They're first in the East. But yeah, they're eight and four first in the but East. But they're gonna get. They're gonna lose in the second or the Eastern Conference Finals. They're only again. averaging 110 points a game. They're and they're allowing 109.5 points a game. So they could pretty much win or lose any single game. And then you look at let's say the Bucks averaging 120 points a game. The Nets averaging 119 points a game. And even the Sixers to a certain extent, 113 a game. There's so many mouths to feed that it's difficult to really be able to make the most of what's happening. But let's end it on the Boston Celtics. Let's move into the Milwaukee Bucks. We saw the first matchup. You know, Kyrie wasn't in, but we saw exactly what the hell happened here. The Milwaukee Bucks, I think they're opposers, bro. I I'm, really do. I mean, haven't we known that for like two or three years now? But I think the problem here lies in the fact that we understand that Drew Holiday is a great player. And I'm not saying great as in like elite, 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 but he's a really freaking good point guard. Top, I, top 10 point guard. I would say he's a top 10 point guard. And I put him at eight or nine if he's having a really good day. If not, I put him at 10 and even then he's a really respectable 10. However, the problem here is Mike Budenholzer. That guy is absolute hot trash. I agree as with you. As a coach, he just wants I to agree run with you. like <laughs> offensive isolation plays. And then he even allows Giannis to put up a three like Yo, he did. Mike Budenholzer in the, in the Eastern Conference semis last year. Got out coached so bad. He got exposed. Bro, stop ISOing with Giannis against Bam. It doesn't work. Giannis it doesn't create work. his own shot. Giannis cannot create his own. The only way that he's going to score is if he gets to the rim. But you have to put him in opportunities to be able to do that. You have to put. You have to know your player's strengths and put them in the position to do that the most. You can't just depend on them. Hey, here, Giannis, try to go get a bucket. No. Put them in situations where they're going to be able to go get a bucket. Okay? Yeah. And, and, yo, they're really struggling right now. Like, I think the one move that actually hurts them and everyone's going to be like, how could it be that much of an impact? But losing Malcolm Brogdon and thinking and expecting Dante we, DiVincenzo to yeah. fill in that role. And then you also sign DJ Augustine. Are you fucking kidding me? DJ Augustine has been around since I started watching basketball. I've been dog. saying this. Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm, they should have never gotten rid of Malcolm Brogdon because they basically traded him because they're like, oh, we're going to get Eric Bledsoe. And he was garbage. Yeah, Eric Bledsoe. Yo, he Eric Bledsoe legitimately is a smaller Giannis. Yeah, and Malcolm Brogdon is one of the better 3 and D players in the league. I love him, bro. I mean, look, I used to say I hated him because, you know, I'm a UM fan. I yeah, would watch UM basketball for Virginia. against Virginia. That was frustrating as hell, but you have to understand, Malcolm Brogdon really does it all. And looking at, we're not going to talk about the Pacers as a contender, but when Karis LeVert comes in, they're going to have a nice four, like we said last episode, Brogdon, LeVert, Turner, and Sabonis. Just one thing, for Karis LeVert's health, thank God he got traded. Yeah, bro. Thank God he that got traded, bro. Hell. Like, what happened with the kidney, bro? Like, he has to really just thank his lucky stars. You know, it's a little bit frustrating getting traded, but it is what it is, bro. Let's transition into the NFL right now. We got two huge, 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 huge games right now. We got the Packers versus the Bucks and the Chiefs versus the Bills. So, what do you want to start with? Packers, Bucks, or Chiefs, Bills? Uh, let's go Packers, Bucks. Open it up. So, yeah, the Packers the Packers are open up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. And, obviously, this is the battle of the two best quarterbacks of our generation, right? Not the new generation, but the the guys we've been watching for the last 10 years. Yeah, the guys we grew up on, bro. So, this Packers team, for the most part, for the last couple weeks, has looked virtually unstoppable. Aaron Rodgers has looked the best he has in six or seven years. And he's obviously the MVP. If anybody wants, if anybody wants to debate that, there really is no... Just pull out Josh Allen, but they're on bath salts. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is no doubt the MVP. But can Aaron Rodgers get past Tom Brady? Is this the first time we see him in the playoffs against each other? Yeah, because he's been in Tom Brady was in the AFC his whole career. Like this yeah, is gonna be right, a historic right. matchup, but I think they've only faced each other twice in the regular season. I don't know the stats on that, but I have seen the highlights. And you know, granted, while it was New England, he did 
dog New England when he played with the mm-hmm. Packers, bro. Like, and he's been with the Packers his whole career. What am I saying? But this game is going to come down to this, bro. We have two defenses right now that they're middle of the pack, no pun intended. And like we said last week when we talked about the Saints and we talked about about the Bucks, it's going to come down to which offense can really push the ball down the field and make more of an impact. Right. Now, I personally think that the Packers have a way better chance here, in my opinion, just because of the fact that they have Aaron Jones in the backfield, Devontae Adams. And yeah, they got Marcus Valdez-Scantling. So I'll give the Bucks the upper hand, obviously, in terms of receiver firepower. Mm-hmm. But if the Packers' de- uh, defense, if their secondary can actually shut down the Buccaneers why am I slowing down I don't even know I'm just having a bad day but if they could slow down the Buccaneers receivers and really just pretty much outclass the Bucks in terms of they have Aaron Jones versus what Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers could actually pull this out because Aaron Rodgers I think can do a lot more when it comes to when the pocket crashes yeah. who can create a play yeah, Tom Brady is stiff as a rock dog yeah, I agree. I think, I, in my opinion, this game, there's going to be absolutely no defense played. Like, little to none. So, you think it's a shootout? I think that it's an absolute shootout. What do you think the score is? I say... This, this, this was a Super Bowl, brother. I say 48-42. 48-42. I'll call it 38-31. to 31. I'm yeah, going to call the, it Packers. I mean, the thing is... Wait, is if you, you got Bucks in the Super Bowl? You got no, Packers. No, Packers, Packers, sorry. Okay. So, at, at the end of this game, right... If one of these quarterbacks gets the ball within two minutes and that's the game winning drive, that quarterback, is, that winning quarterback is winning the game. And there's no doubt. Because neither one of these quarterbacks is going to, if their team is down by less than a touchdown at the end of the game and they have the ball with less than two minutes left, that team is going to win. Can we make an argument that those are, like, I'm not even going to include Patrick Mahomes in this because he's not been around enough. Those are the two quarterbacks, Brady and Rodgers, that you absolutely do not want to face in that two minute drill absolutely. situation. Absolutely. They're the two best of all time. I would the say two so. best of all time. Like they're free when it comes same. to a two-minute drill, there's nobody better. And I'll nobody say, better. I'll say this before we close this seg- this segment up about this game. I hope Bill Belichick is realizing he fucked up. I yeah. really like, yo, Bill Belichick took Tom Brady for granted, and I understand he's the greatest coach of all time, but it's actually insulting now that I think back on it. The little bit of help that he gave him. You see what Tom Brady's doing right now, and even then, Tom Brady's absolutely transformed that team. I don't give a fuck about what anyone says about Bruce Arians. He's it's Tom Brady. He's forty-two years old 43, and threw 43. forty-three and threw forty-two touchdowns. He's forty-three years old and threw forty-two touchdowns. That is insane. We've never seen that before. It's going to be crazy to see. But now, next up, we got Chiefs Bills. This is going to be a crazy game. We got yeah. the Chiefs opening up as a three-point favorite. However, I think that's something that we're going to have to watch, especially when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and his concussion situation. So today, he went through light practice. He's still in concussion protocol. Yeah. And let's let's just be honest, bro. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, this game is over. Yeah. I, in my opinion. I think there is no possible way that the Chiefs or the NFL will not let Patrick Mahomes play this game. If he's still concussed by Saturday, he's going to play the game no matter Would what. Would you pull a Colin Cowherd and postpone the game? For what? Like Colin's argument was like, hey, look, we were able to postpone games for COVID. We were able to postpone games just from Monday to Tuesday or whatever Yeah, but you hell. can't, but you can't, no, no, just no. Just, I mean, his argument was from a competitive standpoint. Like, would you really count the Bills and their victory over the Chiefs if they were facing Chad Henney, dog? Yeah, but, okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to play concussed or not. If he has a concussion, he's still going to play. It does not matter if he's concussed or not. The NFL and the Chiefs will not let that happen for a fact. I know that for a fact. Patrick Mahomes, bro, 
I, I really think that this season, it's really weird to say, but I feel like people have really underestimated exactly what he is and who he who he is. Everyone's talking about Josh Allen, all the hype. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's talking about Drew Brees, Tom Brady, even Lamar Jackson, who we'll talk about getting absolutely exposed, my brother. But Patrick Mahomes, this is going to be the one. You know, he's salivating at this, bro. This is going to be the one where he puts his foot down. And in my opinion, bro, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. We already know I can't bet against my guy. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game by a score of 28-24. to 24. This is going to be a game right here yeah. where both teams are really going to want it. They're going to really going to be going after it. And, we're, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be a shootout, but I really don't think so. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go to Super Bowl, and we're going to get a Rodgers-Mahomes That would be so fire. But I, I, think, I think it ends up being 38-31. Chiefs take it as well. Okay. I respect that. So now let's just do a couple little small things right here. Philip Rivers retiring. What do you think about that? Is he a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. No question about it. No question about it. Philip Rivers is absolutely a Hall of Famer. His, yo, he's I, a top five quarter. He's a top five quarterbacks of of the tw- of the two thousands. He retired in from the NFL, finishing fifth all time in passing yards and touchdowns. Tell me that's not Hall of Fame. But people's argument here is that he only made one championship game. However, I want people to understand something about Philip Rivers. I'm put, I'll say he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe not first ballot. But first ballot. I want everybody listening to this right now. If you had a torn ACL, would you even leave your house? <laughs> Probably not. Philip Rivers played, played an entire game, an entire AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots, and almost won. Well, almost no, really. won on no, almost won, and he had a torn ACL. Yeah, just off rip on that. You cannot question Philip Rivers' ability, Philip Rivers' dedication, and Philip Rivers' impact as a quarterback. And then you also go into his stats. You go into just his level of consistency. And I know he had some seasons where he was basically a guaranteed first-round exit and this, that, and the other. But look, let's be honest about this. In his draft, you had Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers. And I'm telling you right now, Eli Manning sucks compared to Philip Rivers. That guy... Eli Manning is the luckiest man I've ever seen as far as the <laughs> position is concerned. He had two incredibly lucky-ass throws to Mario Manningham and David Tyree that I got agree. him two rings. His defenses were better than his offense. Yeah. And Phillip Rivers, I think he just got hosed. Yeah, he was in San Diego his entire career. Isn't it crazy, though? It is Eli Manning's fault that Philip Rivers went to San Diego because he didn't yeah. want to go there. I'm pretty sure that Philip Rivers hates Eli Manning with everything in his Like, being. internally, he has to be. Yeah, he has to hate that like guy. Like, his career really could have been so much more if you just even, like, if, if you swap places and you put Philip Rivers in there, I think it's a completely different story. I think he I probably think so wins too. even more Super Bowls. And I think Eli Manning and the Chargers go, like, 5 and Absolutely five and 11 every year. dog buns. Yeah. I don't respect it, but hey, man, Ben, ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers... Eli Manning. No argument on that. Drew Brees retiring. You think he will? Do you think he should? I, th- I think so, bro. Like, I think, like, guy had, like, eight broken ribs this year. Like, I just... And the thing is, the Saints are going to be so bad next year. You think so? So I mean, bad. The thing is, like, who can they get at quarterback? Don't no, 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 no. I'm not talking about quarterback. They are so far over the cap that even if they cut everybody on their team, they would still be over the cap. Yeah, and I call cap on Philip. Uh, right, so Drew Brees actually. They have to get year. rid of virtually everybody to stay under the cap. Yeah, that team is hosed. So unless be a nightmare. unless they go and they draft the best I've ever seen anybody draft, their team's gonna be hot trash next year. So he should retire. Yeah, let's agree on that. I think you let Jameis Winston deal with the trash can. Let's close up right now with the MLB. So, you want to introduce this or do I introduce this? I mean, you know more about baseball than um, I do. I'll go for it. So. 
me, me and Chris kind of stumbled upon a video on YouTube the other day because I didn't know about this and neither did he. So there's a scandal going on with the with the MLB being sued by a man named Brian Harkins, who was an Angels clubhouse manager who was fired by the MLB and the Angels because supposedly he was making a substance of pine tar combined with rosin that helps pitchers grip baseballs that is pretty much upping RPM with rotations per minute for every pitcher in the league. So to basically talk about how that works, when you're upping RPM rotations per minute on the ball, the ball breaks just significantly more. It makes your pitches, it makes everybody's pitches just 10 times nastier. And supposedly he was giving guys like Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Edwin Jackson, Felix Hernandez, Max Scherzer, Adam Wainwright, Troy Percival, Who started it all, and Corey Kluber that he was providing them. So he says with this so-called substance, there's text messages from Garrett Cole saying that he needs some of the stuff because it's getting cold. And he's in a sticky situation. And he's in a sticky situation. So I have pretty much kind of always known this, and I'm sure everybody around the big leagues know this. Know this. I'm pretty sure Brian Harkins is not the only guy involved in this. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure that's not the way that it works because, so here's my thing, right? The Houston Astros, before they had Justin Verlander, Charlie Morton, and Garrett Cole, the year before that they got there, all three of them had the worst seasons of their career. Mm -hmm. Awful. Like, they were bad. We thought Justin Verlander was heading toward... Everyone was saying he was done. Yeah, we thought Justin Verlander was heading towards retirement, and now he looks like he has 10 more years left to play. Garrett Cole just got a $300 million contract, and Charlie Morton has revived his career to become a great starter in this league, right? Got a $300 million contract into this shit. Right, so... In my opinion, right, the Houston Astros are the ones that started this. I feel like they are the ones that have that have been encouraging their pitchers to be able to do this because Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole's rotations per minute. I don't know like the exact. It it, it was around twenty two hundred, and then literally the next season it went up to twenty three hundred or so, and then now it's like it all the way like twenty five twenty five hundred. And right. hello, that's a really big freaking deal when it comes to you, you're actually tossing that ball out to the freaking batter. Yeah. You can't even see the stitches. But as as an MLB player, I would kind of as a hitter, I would prefer that they use that because. At least when you have that the the grip and stuff on it, like yeah, it's harder to hit, but at least I'm not gonna get hit in the head. You know what I'm saying? But look, I got a question for you here. So we're having this conversation outside of this episode right now, but I really believe that there's an actual issue here. There's something wrong with the way the MLB is maintaining this. First off, the fact that it's not even getting picked up by any media outlets for the most part. Right. And I understand Trevor Bauer had a situation where yes, his RPMs went up, but he's been talking about this for a while. Yeah. And then look. I mean, if you can't beat him, join him, right? Yeah. But look, if you're thinking about this, everyone went very hard after the Astros hitters. And I understand that they were getting their pitches tipped, not just like, you know, by casual means, like you seeing the pitcher on the on the infield or whatever, and you're doing a little something, something like A-Rod. But, but that's really different. Well, I, I understand. However, they had the buzzer, but then you also had the steroid scandal. Now, I understand that, you know, the steroids thing was more, as a, more of a problem. It was more health. of a health thing, yeah. it right? Was, it was more of a health thing, but this video literally pointed out the fact that about 90% of pitchers in the MLB were going along with what Harkins was doing, getting substances from him, and even to the point where MLB teams, they started hiring their own in-house chemists to be able to make their own sticky substance, to be able to then give their pitchers an edge. So think about it. Would that not be messed up if you have, hypothetically, the Miami Marlins? And I don't know if they do. I'm not saying they did. But think about it. The Miami Marlins, let's say this past season where they made the playoffs, 
that they were the team that actually had the best chemist. If they continue on with this path and they get the best chemist to make them the best substance, could that not then give us like uh, some sort of an advantage to a team that it's actually cheating to the point where hello you're trying to man make I get the point that you're making edge. I get the point that you're making but so Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander and these guys without that they're still Hall of Fame pitchers all-star caliber pitchers right okay none of these Marlins guys have ever really been all-star caliber Hall of Fame caliber pitchers it's when you take these insanely great pitchers and you give them an opportunity to make themselves even better by using this that that's what creates that's what creates these pitchers just having these crazy ass stats all year and like going back to this to the steroids going back to the steroids thing the reason steroids was stopped is because yes it was cheating but it was from a health perspective because Yes, steroids make you hit the ball further because obviously you're fucking stronger. But if I'm taking steroids and I can't hit water if it fell off a boat, I'm still not going to be able to hit water if it fell off a boat, even if I'm taking steroids. Yeah. Okay. Barry Bonds without steroids is still the greatest hitter of all time. Is he a Hall of Famer in your eyes? 150,000. He saved baseball. People say that he shouldn't be. And he I'm like, saved baseball. His, the first half of his career is a Hall of Fame career. The first half of his career without roids is a Hall of Fame career regardless. If he retired before he did roids, he's a Hall of Famer first ballot. Yeah. First ballot. There's no question about he's, it. He hit 50 home runs and stole 50 bases in a year. That's ridiculous. Okay. But we're not even, we're not even talking about that. I agree, yes, that there should be some type of... Crackdown. I wouldn't even say crackdown, but some type of some type of management of this, right? That it's like, yes, you can use certain things, but only to this point, right? So, yes, you can use things that are going to help you be able to hold on to the baseball a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but to a certain point, okay? Because obviously things are just going to escalate. Obviously, like they did with the Astros with the cheating, right? Yeah. Yes, all these teams were doing it. All these teams were cheating in their certain ways, and they do. And yes, they do things that that are able to help them tip pitches and all this yeah. other stuff. But when you take it to the extreme, is when it gets ruined for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I just my thing is, I just find it to be a problem. It's not like it's just one team doing this. Like, there's just so many teams doing it. And the, the guy said, ninety percent of pitchers. You can even go look this up on the internet. Like all of these, all of this information. But I really believe that if you're gonna be cracking down on hitters whether it be just because of sign stealing or because of steroids to a certain extent because look it's not we can say that health played a role into it but i also think that there was something having to do with the integrity of the game yeah that there was an issue with the steroids so i feel like this problem with the pitching actually to a certain extent affects the integrity of the game it's 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 the same thing as the nfl hypothetically the thing is guys have been guys of pitchers have been doing this since like baseball started there's been spitballs they put tobacco on the balls they do this that and the other to change the way the ball moves make it darker i understand that but it's only fair bro like if you're going to be cracking down on hitters one way or another you have to do it i agree with you 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 you. should at least be fair and make the game to a certain point where if you're going to let pitchers do this to a certain extent let hitters do something of to, to a certain degree bro you need to make the game fair and if it's going to be unfair then i don't want to watch it now on that note we're going to close this episode thank you very much for listening please like rate comment subscribe we'll catch you next week with some more interesting stuff bro honestly i hope more happens in the nba because i really want to keep talking about it and yeah man thanks for listening